Welcome to the MandoCast, Star Wars Reports podcast for discussing the latest episode of The Mandalorian on Disney+. And I'm your host, Michael Morris. And with me this week is, once again, Christine Morris. Hey, look at that. Lucky me. Yeah, I know. I don't know how you talked me into letting you do it a second time. Hey, somebody let me in, so here I am. (laughs) (laughs) But we're not alone. We also have this week Eric Pfeiffer and Amanda DeFonzio. Hey guys, how's it going? Hi everyone. Um, I'm so excited to talk about this episode. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like no matter what, the next episode's always my favorite. <laughs> really? Right. S- You're like every week I have a new favorite. <laughs> I will. So yeah. pretty much. I'll go ahead and, and start off and, and by saying this one's this one's kind of a little like on one side I'm like. Uh, like on one side I'm like ah but last week was real real good it's hard to top that but on the other side I'm like but we had an ATSD <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that that's yeah. where I'm at on it yeah I mean the cinematography on it and everything with the ATST uh-huh. and everything that it did through the woods and and all that with the you know even the lenses of the you know the the windows mm-hmm. the cockpit windows or whatever glowing red that was just awesome like the first time i saw it 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 almost looked like it stood up too like right kneeling or something right well and and so that was the the one of my first notes uh that i wrote when i when i was writing it was that i was like this kind of looks like lord of the rings you know like very lord of the rings the um clatuans almost look like orcs as they're raiding and everything Mm -hmm. and then toward Mm -hmm. the end it dawns on me when I was like, oh, yeah, Bryce Dallas Howard directed this. I'm like, it looks like Willow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot of similarities. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that the music was also pretty reminiscent in some parts of, like, the late 70s, early 80s uh, scores. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I've enjoyed – I know some people have been uh, – you know, a little back and forth on the uh, on the music, but I, I've enjoyed it. You know, I, I really like what they're doing, and uh, you know, as it, to me, it's it's cool to where it's something a little different, but still, ha- you know, it doesn't feel just way off. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've oh, yeah. liked it. I think wasn't the biggest issue that people had with it that it was there was some like electric guitars in there or something. You know, but I know we've had that before in Star Wars. Oh yeah, so. for sure. Um, one of my favorite episodes. I will not. Uh, well, not episode. I mean, it is an episode. But point is, look, it was in um, Attack of the Clones, and I love Attack of the Clones. That's what I'm trying to say here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. During the uh, the Coruscant speeder chase, we we get the yeah that the guitar uh, riff in that. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, there's. Yeah. I mean, they, they've been using all sorts of stuff pretty much since the beginning, so. Yeah, I feel like as long as it all seems similar in places, that it feels like it still fits together, and I think that's the most important thing. I definitely felt that with Mandalorian. I like the end credit uh, music a lot, because you can almost, like, there's a silence, and then all of a sudden the screen goes black and then the credits come and you can just tell it's going to be the same credit music every time. Mm-hmm. They do a good job of that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a very recognizable theme. So one thing I actually thought was kind of funny too 
is that when it starts off, you actually see the little girl catching the frogs, which I thought was a, a great little callback to, to Baby Yoda catching that giant frog that he ate. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it was funny, too, because, you know, in one of the previous episodes, I think it was episode two, maybe, Baby Yoda jumps on the frog and grabs it and throws it down his throat. And the Mandalorian's like, hey, spit that out. Right. And he doesn't spit it out. He's like, and then with the girls and the kids, he <laughs> spits it out, you know. I think it's just... Because he doesn't want to look... Like, yeah. <laughs> I think it's uh, he doesn't want to look unpopular in front of his friends. <laughs> oh, he was loving his company in this one. He yeah. was just like... It was like paradise for him. He was holding court, man. Yeah. Well, every well there, everyone loves him. Whereas otherwise, he was constantly being told, "Don't touch that." Spit Plus, that they're out. all bringing him krill. You know, they're like they're just throwing <laughs> right. all those little, like little crawfish down at him. So yeah. <laughs> well, not only that too, but like he doesn't realize this, or maybe he does because he's you know maybe not Yoda, but um, he's been in the crosshairs a few times too. So you know, obviously, many enemies are near him a lot of times so mm-hmm. not good yeah but, true um, i love uh, you know to a, a very much and, and i've heard some people you know say that like oh this is he you know he's very much like the baby groot um which in this episode i think also uh really hit home where you know he's touching the buttons and he's, mm-hmm. he's like he's like don't do that and then he then he tells him, he's like okay you stay here we're gonna do this. he's like so i'm gonna leave you stay right here. He's like, understand? Okay, good. And then turn around and he follows him. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of, uh, you know, where he tells him, like, he's like, no, don't touch that button. And then he's like, touch the button. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and <laughs> no, he's like, I want to put tape to. on it. <laughs> it's like, that's a button that uh, will blow up and kill all of us. <laughs> yeah. So it was definitely. Luckily, good. there was no self destruct button on the, the Razor Crest that uh, maybe not Yoda found. I don't know. It made a pretty nasty thunking noise. <laughs> I have no. When he hit it the last time, maybe he opened those, the trash compactor. Or I'm thinking those are maybe like the inertial dampeners. Basically, or maybe just, it was the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> the toilet flushing. Yeah. I just I just kind of figured the way everything starts shaking, like, uh, um, you know, essentially he just basically like pulled the e brake. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, maybe. So. Uh, but yeah, we got. Um, See how to jump in, jumping too. So they finally land on the the planet, and we actually see as they're they're entering. And the planet, of course, is named um, Sorgan. I took notes. <laughs> yeah. So the, so the planet, which is funny, this is to my knowledge, this is the first time that they actually in the show say the name of the planet because the only other mm-hmm. one, uh, unless something's come out that I've missed, is uh, Arvala Seven. So yeah. and and that was never and when, said in the show. Right. Yeah. And at first when I saw the trailer for um this season, I originally thought that this planet might be Lamu uh-huh. from Rogue One with like the the watery grassy areas. Right. And cuz we see um I don't know if if there's a name released for the the main woman of the 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 tribe or whatever the villagers, 
um, and oh. her daughter, we see them in the trailer, like, embracing in the water. Right. Uh, and so I originally thought that was Lamu, but clearly not. Yeah, and, and her name is uh, Omera. The pro- okay. pronunciation may be wrong, but it's uh, O-M-E-R-A. Um, so, yeah. But um, it's pretty cool. And I mean, I guess imagine that it's a, uh, where they say that they, uh, you know, they're krill farmers, basically, and they... So they did something else, and I'm, I can't remember. They exactly. grew the uh, oh yeah, the, oh, the t- spatchka. The drink. <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs> spatchka. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Sounds like a nice beer, right? Right. Well, I, to me, I said that it, it almost sounded Jewish, but Christy said it sounded Russian to her. So, or like I was thinking of um, Rusev. It sounded Bulgarian, right? <laughs> uh, sorry, WWE <laughs> wrestler from Bulgaria. Who talks like that, kind of. So, like, I'm pulling it up. So, apparently that's uh, being said as a, um, a, a, you know, an Easter egg, which to me says, hey, that's actually showed up in something else. So, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I don't recognize that. Right. Um, let me see if I can find just real quick what it says. I was going to say, what's Google say? Right. Well... And- well, and since they said a flagon of spotchka, that's why I thought, like Amanda did, that it was alcohol. Well, yeah. well right. But... Well, and they brew it, so that implies fermentation. Yeah. Right. But I, I'm just trying to figure out where that may have been, where that, that might have mm-hmm. shown up before. Uh, yeah. But... Also, did you catch the name of whatever she caught the... Um... The bartender, yes, or the server, yeah. It's, because initially he said bone broth, and she's like, "I just caught a blah, 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 blah. yeah, a uh, a gringer, gringer, yeah." And so she goes, "Oh, she goes, yeah." She says, "I uh, took down a gringer, so there should be plenty." So, uh, <clears throat> according to Wikipedia, that is a uh, some a species that's native to this planet and. Is good for making bone broth. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> that's all the entry has. Which the episode just came out today, so that, that's fair. <laughs> uh, I'd like to formally request a visual dictionary. Uh, I was literally you. just thinking that in my brain. <laughs> yes. Sure, you read my mind. Be on the same yeah. page. <laughs> I. I mean, I imagine that's coming, right? Like, uh, I, I think a visual dictionary is is definitely coming. The thing that I'm not 100% sure they'll do, but really hoping they'll do, is an art of book. That too. Oh, yeah. be awesome. I mean, all the art in the mm-hmm. in the end credits look amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. what I was talking about today. Yeah. And, you know, it's if, if you've got that stuff, put it in a book. <laughs> right? I want to be able to, like, physically hold a picture of the off-world love cat, because yes. that yes. was awesome. Yes. Yeah, that was really cool. Um because uh, yeah and christy you know me she goes oh dave <laughs> <laughs> you know that was dave filoni putting that in hey, uh, it was it was cool either way you know to, to actually see it um yeah because I, I it was just one of those things where I, you know my mind just did not quite process right off the bat i was like wait what 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 <laughs> hello cat this is crazy well, and because, too, I mean, Solo was the first time that really a, a lot of stuff from the animation and other media was included in anything live action. So getting that again here was huge for me. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. I love seeing all the crossover too, like all the little things that they're bringing in from other aspects of Star Wars, whether it's mm-hmm. the the shows or other movies or whatever. It's awesome to see everything kind of come together. Or yeah. Life Day. Life Day. Oh. They mentioned Carlac <laughs> in the last episode, which I'm pretty sure is in Clone Wars. That's uh, the planet where Death Watch is at, and uh, Ahsoka finds um, Lux Bonteri. He goes to that planet mm-hmm. when he was going to join the Death Watch to fight Dooku. It's like the snowy planet or whatever. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure that's Carlac. So just all those little tiny, you know, Easter eggs. Yeah. It's awesome. And did anyone yeah. else notice that Life Day happened, or that he was talking about Life Day on the show, like, a week before actual Life Day? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, the timing on it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, another thing, too, uh, jumping back just a little bit, because I actually just noticed it in my notes that I, I uh, jumped over it, but I, I love where he calls him Little Womp Rat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's Gotta a, love that reference, right? Uh, that's such a uh, like a cute little name, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we finally it's almost like a nickname though too, yeah. because he refers to him as the kid quite a bit. Right. Maybe if he just says "little womp rat" to other people, they won't know what he's talking about. But I don't know. <laughs> right. right? Yeah, I, I just thought it was kind of like uh, you know, call. I'm trying to think of like stuff like like a little whippersnapper, basically. You know, yeah, something like that. Name. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> Since he doesn't have a formal name yet, he's got to have something to call him. And then I, I guess sort of the, uh, I mean, we've almost been on a, a like a, a, a Kara watch here because I know mm-hmm. every episode we're like, oh, okay, nope, no Kara doing this episode, you know. So finally, yeah. uh, she's made her entrance and uh, he comes in, sees her. I, I imagine he thinks maybe she's a bounty hunter looking for him because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he's... He's asking, like, hey, you know, how long she been here? What's going on? You know, and so uh, I, I guess he's just still kind of looking over his shoulder and then he ends up going out. And then, of course, this is awesome, which I guess he's I'd imagine he's had his uh, his helmet upgraded, I would think, because, you know, he, he's before he was using the uh, the rifle scope, whereas now he's actually um, using his helmet to uh, um like see her tracks, you know, you actually see like the, uh, yeah. the infravision we're seeing like where, uh, her tracks were, um, which is pretty great. And you know, he's, he's walking, walking all of a sudden the tracks in and then she jumps him from above, uh, which the, the artwork at the end of that was awesome too. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah. I, I think, uh, it seems like in every episode they're showing us something new that he can do with his armor. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's like a gauntlet, like that gauntlet thing where he could, you know, move uh, Baby Not Yoda's little pod with his armor, um, uh, right. like away from enemies, or, you know, it's showing us the disintegration or the flamethrower or the little whisper birds, oh, yeah, whatever. The, the those whistling are birds, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it seems like every episode we're getting something new that he can do. And right. I was wondering about that, too, because every time you think about Mandalorians, you think about their equipment, their weapons. And they had showed us quite a bit in the first mm-hmm. couple episodes. I'm like, are they going to continue to bring in these, you know, crazy technology additions and continue to show us some good stuff? And they have been. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, and yeah, I hope they continue that. You know, like every episode, we at least get like one new thing because they. I mean, that's that's the thing that for me was always kind of cool about. Uh, you know, like not so much Boba, but definitely Django, where it's like you see he's he's basically a Swiss Army knife. Yeah, yeah. Even in uh, Rebels, mm-hmm. like Fen Rao and Sabine, with all the mm-hmm. crazy things they can do, right. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that both Eric and Michael because I uh, was the most excited in the last episode about the jetpacks appearing on screen. So much mm-hmm. so that I stuck both arms up in the air and was screaming, yeah, jetpacks. <laughs> <laughs> and Michael was like, okay, I didn't know you liked jetpacks that much. <laughs> yeah. Everyone likes jetpacks that much, Michael. I just know how deadly they can be. That's all. <laughs> all right? like- and with the capes, I mean, you know. <laughs> Looks like we we lost two fets that way. <laughs> Jetpack malfunctions <laughs> took out the, <laughs> the the entire fet bloodline. So I'm just saying it's, it needs to be careful. Um, so of course we get uh, when we do get introduced to to Cara Dune, um, get an awesome fight scene, which we we'd seen a lot of it, you know, in the previews and stuff, but uh, it was still a lot of fun watching that and um one thing i kind of wonder and maybe not i i, I don't know but I, I noticed that they did um they did cut away a bit and so i'm wondering how much of it was actually her and i, I know that like immediately think we're like well she's mma so clearly she you know she knows how to fight it's like yes but i know from like watching wrestling sometimes the mma one or like people who come from the mma can be a little bit more, uh, a little bit harder to train because their instincts are to hurt the person, whereas your instincts in, um, you know, entertainment is to not hurt the person. So I was wondering if it might have been that, or they're just like, okay, hold on, we gotta, <laughs> we gotta reel it back. We don't need her killing Pedro Pascal. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and he's had some pretty raunchy fight scenes on Game of Thrones prior to this too. True. So he's not completely without his, you know, his bearings, but still, she she looked like she could womp on him real hard. So yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, like I said, that's <laughs> that's the thing is like when you when your whole thing is that you uh, you know you it's been drilled in and and your instinct is to hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes yeah. that might be hard to kind of override. <laughs> so he's a skinny dude without the armor, and oh, yeah. she looks like she could definitely just like snap him. Right. 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 Well. Go ahead, Christy. Uh, I was just going to say, I, I felt like I um, got what I was waiting for with Cara Dune in that sense, because back when we were talking about this during Dragon Con, I was thinking thinking aloud, they're not going to pick somebody with that kind of background and not have her fight. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> so it was great to finally get to see her being used and um, and seeing her act more than we've seen her before because uh michael reminded me she was in um deadpool Deadpool. yeah she was angel dust and deadpool but i didn't really remember her much from that and so this time you know we're getting a lot more of her on screen specifically yeah oh yeah i i was well i don't want to say i was surprised but um i really enjoyed the fight and Mm -hmm. i'm gonna say this right now um, I think that Cara Dune is the m- best brawler 
like hand-to-hand fighter that we've seen in Star Wars. I was originally going to say it could be like 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 uh, best female brawler, but I think going head-to-head with the Mandalorian. Forget the Force. I mean, if you're using the Force, that's that's different. Plus, a lot of times the Force users will have like lightsabers or whatever. They were fighting just hand-to-hand until at the end they both pulled their blasters out. Mm-hmm. But think about what the Mandalorian had. He had Beskar armor, and she was hitting him with her fists, you know? And she held her own against him. That's saying something. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the only other person that I can think of, and, and that's the only reason that I would say, you know, it's sort of a toss-up, but the only other person that I can think of that we've really seen brawl is Django. Yeah. So. Yeah, against Obi-Wan, yeah. yeah. And I think if nobody had armor or guns... They would have she... just kept on going. <laughs> <laughs> she squeezed him. Yeah. Well, fortunately, we have uh, Baby Yoda to break the fight up <laughs> with his uh, <laughs> sipping on his uh, his bone broth. <laughs> Very loudly. Just like, what's going on? <laughs> And I do love those occasional jokes they throw in where it's not too much, but it's just a, that little nod of uh, him going, so you want some soup? <laughs> yeah. He goes, yeah. Oh, I want soup. <laughs> yeah. I, I, some of the lines that are just, you know, they're it's very classic Star Wars, you know, of, of where it's it's not like this, like, and here's the joke, but I'm, you know, but it's just kind of like the little, just little line of like you want some soup <laughs> like yeah. yeah like i don't know we're, we're at an impasse here like i don't know what else to say or with the jetpacks when he says i gotta get one of those right um uh, mm-hmm. now the the other thing too that i thought was pretty cool is that we get sort of a um a little bit of background on uh cara you know when when she's talking about you know it basically jumps to uh her explaining like where she's been like where she's coming from and everything and uh talking about how i guess she said after indoor so i initially thought that maybe she was saying that she was on indoor but she said i guess after indoor that she was basically almost like special forces to go and take out these uh whatever like remaining imperial warlord cells um you know that they would essentially send her in um, but the interesting thing was that she says, oh, took an early retirement, but then also mentions that I guess there's a bounty on her. So I'm, I'm kind of curious about that, that. Yeah. She thought that he might have a fob for a bounty on her. Right. So that's why I didn't know. Maybe but they if... didn't explicitly say right. whether or not she actually has one. Yeah. I mean... I, I, I mean, I would imagine that that my my thoughts on that is that may, I guess maybe she just deserted at that point. That's the only thing that mm-hmm. I could possibly put together from what she was saying. But we may learn more on that. Yeah, they said. What did they say exactly? Like she she was a uh, what did the Mandalorian shock say she trooper. was? Mm-hmm. She was an ex shock trooper. Yeah, but then for she was a veteran in the for the rebels yeah. right mm-hmm. and then but she what was she for keeper what was she what was her position within the rebels the mandalorian says he, she like she was like a jumper special or something like force that. jumper or something i don't know what it was they they refer to it as like a i don't know what it was it was something i can't special remember special task force right 
I don't know. I have to definitely have to go back and, and catch that one. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I just remember the the shock trooper. And I remember her yeah. saying like being on the ground without support. Yeah. Yeah. Like special forces. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so at that point, she basically tells him, she's like, all right, well, I was here first to so leave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My and, hidey hole. Get out. Yeah. And said, I like, he just leaves there and goes, looks like it's already occupied or something like that to him. You know? um, Which is kind of interesting for a Mandalorian just to like roll over like that, you know? Well, I it mean. It was like the perfect planet for him. Right. But I, I feel like it's all, it's also just a part of like him just trying to lay low. So it's like getting in a big fight with somebody who, you know, clearly is, um, you know, on his level is probably going to draw more attention yeah. than what he would like. So and I maybe... guess you can't disintegrate everybody. Right. 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 And, it's also, <laughs> and then there's also the thing where he's not really evil. So <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. not just going to go around killing people just because they were there first. <laughs> right. If, if, yeah. he, if he was Boba Fett, he might just be like, no, I'm taking you out. But you know, he's, we've seen that he actually has a heart. So, um, but of course, as he's packing up his ship, that, there's, there was a lot of packing and unpacking in this show. I don't know if y'all noticed that. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So n- next we have the uh, the two guys the the one who's a uh, spachka brewer and the other that's the the krill farmer that basically asked them or asked the Mandalorian to uh, I guess protect their their village. Which he initially turns down since I guess they have they don't have enough money, but then once he he realizes that oh it's out in the middle of nowhere and um you know you could provide lodging okay that'll work perfect, and then uh, he recruits Cara Dune for that. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting because as that scene continues to go on and they're you know working with the villagers and stuff it had a very clone wars feel to me yes it yeah i i mm-hmm. actually saw um when uh, um someone posted on on twitter where uh, anakin's teaching them you know how to use the the spears and um the one guy messes up or whatever and embo like throws it back to to anakin uh yeah very very reminiscent of that yeah, yeah, on Felucia. Yep. So, very cool. Um, then of course that's where we meet uh, uh, Omera and her daughter, and then we actually get some uh, Mandalore. You know, L O R. Sorry, I thought it was funny. Uh, words. <laughs> you know, where they, they it's. Stuff that we kind of knew, but but didn't have uh, the specifics on as much about you know the taking the helmet off. That he does take the helmet off. He doesn't like sleep in it, but he doesn't take it off around anyone. So he doesn't actually eat unless he's in you know uh, in privacy. So she would like bring him his food, and then of course, and and I loved I so much. I appreciated them. Uh, you know, instead of being like, okay, I'm alone now, take the helmet off, and you see his face, it it's even like, nope, that means you too, viewer. <laughs> you know, and yeah. it sets the helmet down next to him. That thing's got to smell so bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, I'm sure it has, I mean, you know, it's, uh, 
there's a lot of technology there. It probably has maybe some there's sort some of... filtering system. Right. But how included. hygienic can that honestly be? <laughs> yeah, if he's wearing it for that long every day, even if he is washing his hair somewhere. Like sweat, bad breath. They like, made yeah. Woof, man. They made a huge deal out of it. Like even toward the end of the episode too. And I know you're we're kind of like going in order here, but. Um, you know, throughout the whole episode, they make a big deal of taking the helmet off and, you know, what that represents and how he got to that point and, and things like that. And I think, you know, it's going to be that much more rewarding if, if, and when we, it, we do get to see him without his helmet. I just kind of don't want to. <laughs> well, I do think you hit on a good point there though, Eric, that I love that exchange between the Mandalorian and Cara Dune when, he says, well, the problem is that I can never put it back on once I take it mm-hmm. off. And I love how she's, she's just like, she doesn't get it. She's like, but why? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's like, you can do whatever you want to. <laughs> like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, because it does make sense. Like, yeah, no, you, you can put it back on. But, you know, she doesn't understand it, uh, you know, from the... Um, you know, from the standpoint of like, oh no, this is what it represents. Um, you know, it would be a lie if you're taking it off and putting it back on or whatever. You know, if you're you're not sticking to the code at that point, you're not really a Mandalorian, and you're not. You know, you're um, you're not holding up to it. Like you're you're a lie at that point. So, you know, but she's just like, why not? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so- like. I'm wondering, hypothetically, how do Mandalorians handle the helmet within marital units? I've seen this question posed on Twitter, and it's pretty funny. Really? I'm like, what are they going to do? Be married and just, like, never take off their helmets? That's a little weird. It's like in Iron Man 3 when Iron Man tells Pepper Potts to kiss the facial slit. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Well, and the thing, too you know is that i think that now like this is very much you know we, we've seen mandalorians in rebels and, and in clone wars and they didn't seem to have this code so i think that's sort of a newer thing where you know there's probably not really m- many uh uh you know I, I i don't know how how you know how much they're pairing up anyway you know what i mean like i think yeah. that you know, it seems like they're very much are they're relying on these foundlings uh, or, or orphans essentially as uh, a way of continuing, uh, you know, Mandalorian traditions. So I don't know, but I mean, I guess I would imagine you know it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you you keep the helmet on, but when you're like in your own home or whatever, like then you can take it off. I don't know. The other thing, too, I was wondering is that I feel like, really, the Mandalorian culture changes between, like, clans. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. different clans probably have different rules, because if you think back to Rebels, and I think it was Fen Rao or Gar Saxon mm-hmm. or one of them was like, where'd you, I think it was Fen Rao, was like, where'd you get that armor? Like, who'd you take that from or whatever? And she's like, I forged this armor with my own hands. And then you go to this show, and he essentially presents whoever that is, mm-hmm. to forge it for him. You know, mm-hmm. melt the steel, melt the Beskar, forge it into armor, and create it for him, and he puts it on. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so I think between cultures you have and different and between clans you have different ways of life essentially. Yeah. And I'm wondering if it might also be um depending on what era we're in, because back in Clone Wars it's definitely they're in a more pacifist phase. We aren't we don't get a ton of what they're like before that. Um, at least not in canon film or show. And then we have, you know, Sabine's version of the Mandalorians when the Empire is round. Or Or maybe it's a status thing. Because if you think about it, it was like Fen Rao took his helmet off, but the other Mandalorians in that clan did not. Mm -hmm. And the, you know, even Pre Vizsla. Pre Vizsla took his helmet off, but a lot of the other you know, members of his clan did not. And that could just be a budget thing. You don't want to make a new face, but I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, but we had others too, like, uh, um, oh gosh, now I can't think of her name. Uh, Satine's sister. Um, Bo-Katan. There we go. Yeah. Um, you know, so we, we, we saw her face as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm wondering, like I said, if, if that may not be a newer thing or maybe an older thing they've went back to. Mm-hmm. But That's what I think. As far as the armor... I'm a little confused on the armor because didn't she also say that the armor was like passed down? So I don't know how she would have forged it if it was also passed down to her. But past that, maybe, um, maybe it's also a thing of like, um, like only the women are allowed to actually uh, forge armor. Yeah, that could be. Well, and I'm also thinking that because they keep talking about the purge. Mm-hmm. Um, that you, they can't necessarily forge their own armor because there's no armor passed down to forge it from, so they have to find it. Right. They have to find the Beskar because it's no longer owned by the Mandalorians. Right. Or maybe, like, when you forge your armor, you know, like for uh, Sabine, maybe the armor existed, but, you know, not everyone's going to be the same body shape, not everyone's going to be mm-hmm. the same size. Maybe you at that point just melt it down and reforge it or reform it to fit you or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's very possible. That would make sense. Um, so I love where uh, basically they they decide to go out to scout uh, once they actually get there, and then they see that giant ATSD footprint. Mm-hmm. That was freaking cool. Until they said ATSD, I didn't know what that was. Oh, like, really? I was like, what yeah. is that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, to be fair, I now one thing is that I have the uh, the Hot Wheels toy of it. Because uh, mm. I, I saw that, I was like, okay, that is super cool. Um, and then I, I also did see where someone had, was like, oh, I got to get one of these now. And talking about the, the Best Buy things, so I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be the episode with the ATSD. So, so I knew it was coming. So yeah. you know, maybe I would have thought it was something else initially. But um, I, I was super happy because, like I said, I've, I've all you know, everybody's like ATAT, ATAT, and I'm like, I always thought the ATST was cooler, and it was like, you're a weirdo, and I'm like, well, shut up, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, but I mean, like this when this episode kind of proved that the ATST is a lot more manu- maneuverable, especially if you're in a forest. You know, I mean, it's smaller and it can get around quicker. I mean, maybe, but also, I mean, real look. I'm not trying to say that the ATST is a superior um, 
machine. I'm just saying I think it <laughs> looks cooler because the thing is probably if they would have had an ATAT, it probably would have just stomped right on through and murdered everyone. <laughs> right, there would be definitely <laughs> like, no fighting. Like I'm, I'll be realistic about it. All right, I'm not saying an ATAT would lose to an ATST in a fight. I'm just saying I think it looks cool personally. <laughs> especially with the red eyes right mm-hmm. right yeah awesome. and yeah the, which i mean i guess we didn't really get a shot of it since it was at night um you know couldn't see as well but you know at least on, on the toys that you know they sort of have like those tribal paintings on it and everything and it looks really cool yeah i think it really shows this episode in particular really makes it apparent to me that the rebels in the original trilogy their feat was just that much more impressive, defeating the Empire. Because if you think about it, on Hoth, they had a ton of AT-ATs and AT-STs. Mm-hmm. And same thing on Endor, they had both of those. And even Cara Doom was like, yeah, I've seen these things take out, you know, soldiers within minutes or whatever it was, like squads of soldiers. And, you know, it really shows you that, like, I mean, she's had experience dealing with them. And that kind of helped in this situation, but they had to set a trap for it, kind of like Ewoks. Right, right. I thought um, the same thing too. They're like, "Okay, we're going to cut down these yeah. trees. We're going to make some barricades." I'm like, "Yes, the old Ewok maneuver." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was awesome. Which brings me to I, I try to I try to throw this out there as much as possible. Although I know it probably makes me seem like that grit that guy on Ancient Aliens who's like, "I'm not saying it's aliens, but aliens." But hear me out. Ewoks had super strength. <laughs> Think about really? it. Think about it. Think about it. All right. So, you know, the one like hugs up on Han's leg and he like tries to get it off and he can't. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, maybe it's just, you know, it's kind of on their tight, whatever. No big deal. Not necessarily super strength, but it's an indication. Um, you know, we, we see them basically hauling, <laughs> like the they have the heroes all tied up and everything and they're just sort of hauling them on a stick or whatever. That's that's a pretty massive feat of strength right there. But again, are we in super strength territory? Mm, maybe not. We see them start throwing rocks and either killing or incapacitating stormtroopers. Okay, that's getting into super strength territory, right? Maybe like, they're like ants. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, carry ten times exactly. Away. Right, right. No, I, I they're think... pretty stocky little fellas. Right. Uh-huh. If I bet, if you shaved an Ewok, it'd just be like all muscle under the fur. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking about <gasps> shaved Ewoks. Like little hulks. Or yeah. maybe that stormtrooper armor just is really bad. No, I don't think because so. it's supposed to be <laughs> well, at least like per lore, you know, it's supposed to be uh, set up to you know any sort of like regular ballistics. Uh, it's supposed to yeah. be what it deflects, not so much the the laser bolts. But so here's the final one. All right, those giant trees, or, or like the big tree traps and everything. Those rebels did not cut those down and and have those all set up. When like those were put up there for a while, you know. And then of course we even saw the village. The Ewoks put those up there. That take that would take ridiculous strength to do that with no machinery whatsoever. Maybe so, maybe the Ewoks hired the Wookiees to build their digs. their their <laughs> you know fortress amongst the trees. I, I think I think super strength makes way more sense. <laughs> but anyhow, I know that's getting off track. But I just want everyone to to think on that. Just just take a moment and be like, yeah, maybe Ewoks do have super strength. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but so I like when they come back, you know, and the first thing the Mandalorian says is, 
bad news gotta move yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like what <laughs> he's like what i just put it to him <laughs> bluntly like you you can't stay here anymore <laughs> terrible bedside manner my yeah. grandparents planted these yeah. pods he's like okay what? but you're gonna <laughs> <All> die right. <laughs> right yeah that was great and then of course they you know that's when the the training montage starts and and this is the interesting thing was that Omera's like they're like who can shoot and Omera's like I can, and then you can see that yeah Mama can shoot like she's just sitting there just pinging the target just pew 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 you know every single one where the others are all going wide and everything and I mean she's just like a late well I mean I guess yeah like a laser but point being you know <laughs> she's <laughs> she's, she's dead on it yeah exactly every time so. Um, I, I the was thing like, that I loved about that scene, though, uh-huh. is the specific blaster that she was given. You know, I'll be honest with you; I didn't look close enough to see what blaster she uh, she had. What which so, one? So it? it was a Relby, oh, which nice. is what Bosk uses. Okay, hmm, cool. And like I was this morning, I woke up, watched the episode while I was drinking my coffee. And as soon as the Mandalorian gave her that, I was like, oh, my God, it's Bosk's weapon. It's the Relby. <laughs> I was freaking out over that because that's that's got to be one of my favorite blasters. Yeah, it's and a very especially cool watching blaster. her just nail that target over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. I was like, yep, I need one. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, so they go and to basically set up the, the trap. Which I guess they're going, and I didn't notice until the second watch that that's what they're actually raiding. They're they're running in there, and then they're raiding for their krill, basically. Um, yeah. So that's what they do. They sneak in, and uh, I guess they have like these little, uh, like electric fish tanks or whatever, where they have the the krill, and uh, but that's what they end up blowing up. But, you know, it was weird because it seemed like when they were fighting them and Kara put one of the guy's heads in the tank that it was like acid. So maybe that wasn't what the tanks were. Mm, Yeah, I mean, I know what you're talking about. I don't remember for sure to remember like, oh, was this, uh, you know, was it something that was actually damaging him or was she just drowning him? You know, I'll have to look back on that. But possibly, I mean, what what were... um Eric and Amanda, like, what was your takeaway from from that room? Did you think that they were the... I thought that she was just kind of drowning them real quick. Okay. Maybe it was. I just, I could have sworn that I heard, like, a sizzle. Yeah, I'll have to go back. It did sound like a... It did sound like a... To me, when I was first watching it, it seemed like it was a a toxic liquid of some sort. Mm -hmm. But, um... Or you know, maybe. I didn't see if if Kara put her hands in there, or if we didn't get to see it at all. If it was just the dude's head, mm-hmm. or maybe um, you know what I just thought of? Maybe it what? was less like a, um, you know, l- less like a, a place where they kept them, and more of a place where they were cooking them. <laughs> they may have basically just been, you know, boiling, boiling water. water. Yeah, <laughs> and their, their bioluminescence was glowing as they cooked. Yeah, well, I mean, we saw the bio, <laughs> or it was whatever liquid course. they were yeah. brewing. Yeah. Right. Right, so yeah, good point. <laughs> Maybe that was yeah, that was dinner. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> so um, yeah, so they so they set the trap basically. We get to see his little his cool little uh, 
belt uh, detonators, which I think are very cool. Um, you know, I don't know what it is. I, I really like the look of them. You know, where he just kind of has them just sit there on his belt and he just kind of pop one off and, you know, uh, press the little button there and it'll, it'll sort of start blinking. And Christy even noticed that there was like patterns where it seemed to be counting down, basically. Oh, yeah. Did, did you guys notice that it's like um, a number of dots in a circle on the detonator and then as it's counting down to explode, there were less and less faster. dots? That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I didn't notice that. I just like how there's a solution to everything and it's somewhere on his body. You know, like yeah. he's like, oh, I just need to disintegrate some people right now and just, you know, grabs a little disintegrating capsule and throws it in the blaster. It's just like, okay. Right. Done. Or like, I need a Problem grappling solved. hook. Sort of the, yeah, sort of the, yeah. the Batman effect. Like, uh... yep. <laughs> that's right. He is like Star Wars Batman. <laughs> <laughs> he's got yeah. a cape. He's got the Batmobile. So, actually, and, and another thing, too, talking about, um, you know, his different things and everything. I, I actually noticed on this episode, because I, I had assumed from the last episode, I thought he pretty much got head-to-toe, uh, like, new armor head-to-toe with the exception of his hand plates. But I noticed on this one, one of his thigh plates is actually different um, and actually does look like it's got some, um, like... Uh, I guess carbon scoring or whatever on it, you know, or it's like all messed up. So, um, is it silver or is it? His, it's not his old thigh plate, is it? No, it's not the red one, but it, uh, but it, I mean, it's the same shape. So, mm-hmm. so I noticed that his basically his left thigh plate looks new, but his right thigh plate looks just like the old red one, but it's silver. So maybe he just like sanded it down or something. Interesting. Well, we know there is excess for. His Beskar. So right. it's not like he didn't have enough Beskar to finish his armor or anything. Right, right. But I, I'm I'm just wondering if maybe it was like his, we call it like a tithe or whatever, you know, where he's like, you know, since it is sort of like his religion where he's like, nope, it's like save 10% for the foundlings. So when they're like, this is for the foundlings. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. That was just the only thing I could think of was like, okay, well, maybe he did that. Because it, it does seem, you know, all his important extremities seem to be covered. Um, but it, it seemed like just the, I think his knee pads and uh, shin pads and, and then the one uh, thigh and then the, the hand plates are all, um, you know, the the older stuff. Mm. So he went for the biggest pieces first and then he'll work on the rest later. Yeah. Um. So they, so they, they, they cause their plan to sort of go off, and then they take off, and then they're waiting for the, um, you know, the ATST to come through. And I love how they they played the ATST like a monster, you know, um, where it it does sort of it it kind of rises up, and you know, as it moves through the forest and everything, and it, you know, it reminds me of like uh, King Kong. You know, like where where King Kong would sort of come out of the forest, um, and then actually attack. I mean, actually, a lot like King Kong. Probably, it probably took a lot from that. Now that I think about it, um, you know, because in, in the old movie where they had their big, uh, you know, like the big, uh, da, 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 what do you? I keep wanting to say stick doors, but that's not exactly right. But the you know the doors made out of logs and everything like that, where they have like the log uh, walls and stuff. You know, and and uh, as he's like basically coming out of the woods and starts moving toward them. So, 
Uh, I need to go back and watch the original King Kong and see if there were some scenes taken from that. Yeah. I really liked with the ATST coming out of the forest and everything. They had one shot where the ATST kind of stops as it gets out of the forest. Yes. And, you know, it's on the right side of the screen, and then you can see, like, the village on the left side of the screen, and it just kind of, like, they show you that nothing's moving at all. You know, it was just a quick one. Like, I, I need to get a screenshot of it because it looks awesome. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there was definitely some awesome uh, shots in, in this. And like I said, that really kind of, I, I liked that how they they made it. You know, oh, it's not just sort of like a, you know, the, the goofy old ATST. Like, no, these things are awesome. <laughs> well, and yeah, I mean, even showing that um, the driver was realizing that there could possibly be a trap, maybe because it stops short of stepping into the pond right right and it kind of like picks its foot up that reminded me um of robocop actually where the the big robot uh actually it may have been robocop 2 i can't remember exactly which one it was um i think it was the first robocop but the point being like the big one that was supposed to be replacing robocop where it, you know it, it's like looking like he's trying to trick it to go down the stairs and fall and it's like mm, i don't know i don't know why but it <laughs> I guess mm-hmm. big, big mechanical foot thing, like lifting its foot up. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was interesting. Didn't the Mandalorian refer to it as a mech? Because he was yes. talking about the bandits in the mech. Yes. Yeah, he did. I thought that was interesting, too. Because that's, you know, that's something that, that does kind of show up in, in some sci-fi and stuff, you know, where, where things be referred to as mechs. But I, I don't recall, you know, in even in like the expanded universe or anything, I don't ever recall them ever saying mech before. Yeah. Did you guys notice, too, and this is going back a little bit about the helmet thing and about wanting to see his face or not, but when the ATST shines the, like, giant flashlight uh-huh. um, and it shows the Mandalorian, you can sort of see a face underneath the helmet. Oh, really? No, I didn't notice oh. that. Yeah. So it's, I mean, you can't really tell what it is, and I didn't pause it just because I didn't want to, like, look too deep into it, but I kind of want to go back and look at it now, but... Yeah, so, you know, he's got his T-visor, and when the light shines on him and he looks, you can see that there's a face underneath there, which I thought was pretty awesome. It's actually That's George cool. Lucas. He's like, I said I didn't want to be in this. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But, um, yeah, so they, I, I like how they, of course they do, as, as all good plans and movies are, they don't quite work out and you have to do it manually and so Kara decides she's like I got a plan <laughs> which is just like <laughs> bum rush the ATST <laughs> but she borrows the rifle yeah that was cool too seeing her actually grab the rifle um, you know and they kind of go up that way which I thought was kind of cool too of it just being like whatever you're just a stupid person you know it, it definitely is like oh no here's the real threat those are just like stupid villagers um, but this person here is the actual threat. So um, I liked that, how she was sort of um, really drawing its attention and, um, you know, and also like super dangerous because <laughs> if, if it does spot you, you blow it up. Yeah. And we know that, I mean, ATSTs have some pretty heavy duty weapons and her just like hiding in a pool of water. I mean, that is super dangerous. Like, right. you know. And like right up near its feet. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. So they, uh, of course, they they take it out, and um, so I'm trying to remember. Did he throw? One yeah. of his detonators in there. I remember it blowing yeah. up, but I couldn't remember Through if it was. She flip. opened up the window and then he chucked some uh, detonators in. Yeah, so that was cool. And of course, by Felicia. Yeah, <laughs> but it is a little gift. <laughs> um, Merry Christmas. That's so crazy. Like, what is? It? Is it just kind of like, um, like those? Oh, what do you call it? Like on the cars, the um, like the glow lights they put on the cars or whatever. They can, I can't even think what they're called right now. You know, like oh, the a, LED lights? Yeah, like in Fast and the Furious and stuff. Like, you think it was just that? Yeah. Like, that's all the red lighting actually was? Hmm. I don't know, but it was awesome. <laughs> right? <laughs> Tape like we got from Amazon for the cases. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did, though, like that you mentioned that, Eric, with the, like, red eyes on the ATST because it does make it look even more like a monster and more of a threat. Yeah, and the fact that it's red because, you know, we associate, especially in Star Wars, red with being evil Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. you know, it was dark and so that's all you see. You see it and you hear, you see the eyes and then you hear it and that's even more frightening because you can't, you can't tell where it's going, how big it is, like it's just, it's just scary. Mm -hmm. It's almost like they were making it a character rather than a machine. Yeah, yeah. And it almost had, like, it almost emoted when it was looking at stuff, like when it was looking for Kara, or when it realized that there was a trap, it almost had um, personality in how it moved. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and of course, they, they saved the village, and then they'll, you know, I, I love the scene where they're just kind of both just sort of like relaxing <laughs> you know <laughs> like I, I love how just like casual they are you know usually you don't really see uh, you know characters other than like han solo that are sort of like lounged like that you know mm-hmm. so i thought that was sort of a fun little shot and when baby yoda mimics the laying backward on your arms Oh, that is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he's just like, oh, okay, we're going. Oh, we're all doing this. And, and I the think back, that yeah. they'd said that a couple of weeks had passed. Right, yeah, it definitely seemed like During that interaction. Some... So they were kind of chilling for a minute. Right, right. So. Um, of course, he basically tells his plan of, that, you know, he's going to leave uh, Baby Yoda with them because it's too dangerous being with him. And then... Um, when do, that's when we we see the sniper show up. And were were you guys ever concerned? Like, were you ever worried? Like, oh no, they're gonna shoot Baby Yoda, or did you? Um, like, no, nah, this. Is I fine. thought I might throw up. For a <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. If they kill Baby Yoda, uh huh, or Baby Not Yoda, I will set things on fire and riot. Right. Especially like, like, like that. I will lose my mind. <laughs> Especially like that, like just dead shot between the eyes. Oh <laughs> no! I I In was front actually of other kids. Yeah. <laughs> I was panicking. Right. Well, yeah. here's my question: Did you guys, do you guys think that Dave Filoni and uh, John Favreau knew that Baby Yoda would be this big of a hit? Like from the beginning designs, do you think that they were like, "Oh my gosh, this is going to change Star Wars fandom forever"? I, uh, you know, because if they did, 
you knew they weren't going to kill Baby Yoda. Right. Like, everyone mm-hmm. loves Baby Yoda. I, right. I will Did say it, this. They better do some reshoots. Yeah. <laughs> so they don't kill Baby Yoda. Because I feel like so many fans right now are all about Baby Yoda, and that's all they can talk about. If they just take his head off with a sniper blast, <laughs> you know. I've had non-fan people at work come up to me and be like, man, that Baby Yoda thing's really cute. Yeah. Right. Baby Yoda's life. <laughs> I think... Uh, my opinion would be that they knew it was going to be a phenomenon as far as the cuteness factor, but not necessarily that it was going to be such a game changer in general for star Wars. Yeah. Um, I, I think that they were probably like, you know, because they know what they're doing obviously. And they've been fans for a long time. I think they were probably sitting together like spitballing and went, Oh, you know, it would be really cool to actually bring this back and, establish some things that have never been discussed in star wars so my i actually so here's what i think i think dave and john knew that they had uh, a home run you know i i think they were like yes absolutely but i think (laughs) i think probably someone else up the chain may have been less um like like less is uh, uh um certain which is why we probably uh, you know don't have as much um you know that we don't really have the merchandise and stuff like that that's come out um so they were like oh we'll wait and see how it goes first yeah i I think they might have been afraid that it might be another you know situation of like how ewoks were a bit divisive you know um even even uh, you know porgs were were somewhat devised. I, I don't feel like the porgs were as much as like how Ewoks were, but you know, or or like Jar Jar Binks, like that uh, they they may have been like I don't know. Star Wars fans may think this is too cutesy and and like um, you know they they may rebel or something like that. So that that's kind of my thought. I think maybe somebody up the chain may have been uh, less as. Uh, um, assured as what like Dave and, and uh, um, John Favreau were because the reason that I think that, that they were for sure is it seems like every shot like opens and closes on baby Yoda just being like, aren't I a stinker? You know, like <laughs> he's just like, on this side, like I, I noticed it for sure. I'm like, yep, there he is. There's baby Yoda. And he's just like, I'm adorable. Mm-hmm. You know? So, um, so I definitely think, like, in making it, they knew that, you know, they were all about it. Well, and I, I will throw in there, I love that they've made the baby character so much like an actual toddler that they have all of these moments where, like, you know, like you said, Eric, spit that out or don't touch things <laughs> or you have to stay here. And then he comes anyway. You know, it it's definitely feels like they looked at what children do when they made him do those things yeah mm-hmm. even the audio that they've got going over him that mm, oh. oh yeah that's definitely yeah. baby noises yeah. <laughs> but i guess going back to your question michael about like what was going through my mind when that the, you know the crosshairs were over yoda or baby yoda to me it was more of like a Quickly racing through my mind, how important is this character to this, you know <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> like, oh wow! Yeah. More Would than they anything. Actually, do this. Yeah. So, so you, so you guys thought that it, it 
might have been possible then? I I was not sure that he was going to be okay. And when the blaster noise went off, uh-huh. I was a little bit nervous until they cut to the smoking bounty hunter. Uh-huh. That's what they do, though. That's what they do. They've done that twice. Right. Like, even with IG-11, you know, right. the, the blaster is pointed at Baby Yoda and then the shot, and it's the IG-11 falling down. They've done that before. But how many times are they going to pull that before I get to see a smoking Baby Yoda? In the- <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. To, me, to me, the show is The Mandalorian, and I know they're doing season two. Is season two going to be centered around Baby Yoda again? It better be. You know, like, I know so many people like baby yoda but at the same time the show is the mandalorian and it's about the mandalorian's duties and as a father in this, to baby in yoda. this season <laughs> it's about baby yoda but is that what they really want the whole show to be about i don't know yeah. but then i don't know i to play devil's advocate with that i feel like it is still all about the mandalorian because it's now created more conflict for him you know with his responsibility that he chose as a bounty hunter and then now he's morally conflicted with whether or not to return the bounty which obviously we know he decided not to so yeah yeah i mean i think that you know that's that's a great thing to kind of consider is like okay where do we go from here um i i, I will we'll kind of hit that in just a second but because I, I did want to say um I actually, from the very beginning, I told, which, I mean, I, I, I do this a lot. Christy sometimes gets mad at me when I'm like, yep, it's the guy with the, the bum leg. He's the one or whatever. And she's like, shut up. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Because you'll say it before it's happened yet. <laughs> which is like, because then you won't believe me if I say it after the fact, you know, you'll be like, yeah, sure you did, you know, but I, that's what I said from the beginning. I'm like, car is going to shoot him. You know, because I was like, yeah. okay, who's not in the scene? You know, I'm like, okay, they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna do this thing or whatever. So that's why I was wondering. I was like, did did you guys actually think it was gonna happen, or were you sort of like me, like, nah, car's taking him out? So uh, that that was why I was curious about that. Which you didn't you didn't yell at me that time, did you? Did you no. see it coming too, or you just you've you've put up with it for so long that you're just like fine, whatever. Um, I didn't notice as much because I, I was a little concerned. Oh, you were so, I wasn't even in the room at that point then. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> like baby Yoda's you know in danger. I, I'm not listening to you. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. You know what I thought was interesting about that scene though? Uh-huh. What's that? It looked like from the base of, or the, the top of the screen when we saw that that character had a, a tracking fob that it looked like, it was a Kubaz, which is that species in uh, at the beginning of the episode mm-hmm. or the beginning of the first episode with the you know that yeah, was the long snoot played that little instrument yeah mm-hmm. calling the spears. That's what I, I thought if it too. Was that guy. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 what I was thinking it was. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's cool. I, I love seeing all of the the alien species that we know and love instead of being yeah. like yeah. Here's another poop-colored alien that you've never seen before. (laughs) 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 Well, I mean, look. Let's be honest. They're 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 very like meh looking. You know, they all look like very earth tone. Um, like most of them don't seem to have fur. Would you do you want like a lime green one or? Are you talking about the Kubaz or just just an alien in general? Just an alien in general. Yes, I'll take that. That'd be cool. Like Baby Yoda. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, dude, when we saw that, when we saw the, I don't, I don't know if we've seen 
have we seen in live action? Have we seen a non-green Rodian before, or was the Mandalorian the first time we saw that? Um, no, the yellow one. But right, right, that wasn't live action, though, right? No, no, no. But that's oh, what I'm talking about. No. Yeah, I mean, I know in like Rebels and Clone Wars we have, but um, you know, as far as like I said, like I can't recall if we ever saw any, uh, you know, like I said, yellow uh, Rodians or anything like that in the uh, the prequels. But I didn't think yeah. we had. So yeah, I'm all about so. it. Give give me them bright colored aliens. <laughs> <laughs> what color was Warwick Davis's one in Phantom Menace? Green. Green? Okay. Yeah. I'm like, I can't remember now. <laughs> Walled. Yeah. He wants Walled. to see Zero the Hut. <laughs> Dude, I love Zero the Hut. Don't even get me started. <laughs> I was so upset when Zero died. Um, <laughs> yeah, so so as you mentioned, yeah, there's there's more tracking fobs, which that that is one of the things that I've heard some people say, like, how do these things work? <laughs> you know, like... It has yeah. to somehow be a, t- you know, I guess... Biometric tracking. Yeah, some- something with, like, their DNA. You know, something you can't just change. So, um, it can't be like they're tagging these people, because there's no way they could have gotten into close contact with this many different, you know, bounties. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and Otherwise, I- they'd have them. Wasn't this the first time we've ever heard something about, they kept saying in the first episode, the chain code, and that it was like, it would tell you their age as well as their last known location? That's the first time I've heard of it, but that's not saying much. Yeah. I, I think first that's totally had. new. Yeah, they, they dropped a ton of new stuff in that first episode, so, yeah. I, but I, I like it, but then again, I also go, well, then why were they so surprised about uh, light speed tracking in the last Jedi. If if they've had, you know, this um, you know, biological tracking this whole time or whatever, it's like Leia's been around forever. Yeah. They're probably just tracking her. You know. <laughs> but what I wonder is if a fob has to be within a certain amount of radius in order of to kind of start what it's tracking to ping its location, and that's right. how you get the last known tra- trajectory. Because otherwise, they'd be able to ping it all the time. Otherwise, you're just kind of like. Jumping and hoping is right. what I've gathered. Right, that makes sense. Kind of like the I little. Think, yeah, it's exactly yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, not like uh, yeah, okay, okay, that makes it's sense. It's not necessarily like a pinpoint GPS all the time. Like, hey, I got a satellite. I know where you are, buddy. No, they yeah. have to be like within a certain distance. So closer to like yeah. a metal detector, almost. Yeah. That's not how the force works. <laughs> <laughs> it's a baby detector. Uh, yeah. So, of course, with that, Mandalorian's like, nope, I gotta go. I gotta take the baby. He's he's not safe here after all. My bad. It's gonna make things worse here. Time to go. Right. But I think he was, wasn't was too sad about saying, okay, I've gotta take the baby with me after all. <laughs> no. Although I think he's a little bummed that he's uh, leaving his little girlfriend, right. the widow. Right. Yeah, so that was the first time we've gotten any kind of romantic scenes in the show and i i thought that they handled it really well what did you guys think yeah i thought it was super elegant and respectful and sweet but without being like mushy and predictable and cliche right yeah i thought it was great um you know just 
it's it's hard to create like uh, a romantic relationship so quickly, and yet the way that they sort of brought together the the subtle flirting or not so subtle flirting, I guess, just like she wanted to take his helmet off, and she was always offering to give him food, and like you know even being respectful with uh, giving him his privacy and, you know, making sure the room was good for him. And, like, it just seemed like everything that she was doing, even the way that, like, Cara Dune was kind of, like, wink, wink, nudge, nudging him, Mm -hmm. you know, plants that seed in his head. And so he then views it as, like, okay, kind of want this a little bit. Well, And I'm pretty sure if his helmet was off the first time he saw her, he would have been like a little bit agape because he was like given the up-down in Mandalorian. See, I think that it was actually... I I think he was less receptive till he saw how good she could shoot. And then he was like, okay, maybe. (laughs) I mean, well, we know that's why you're with me, so... But yeah, I I think that they handled it really nicely, like you said, and and that it was um, subtle. And especially, I think um, it was really meaningful when he's leaving and she goes to try and take his helmet off and he almost seems like he's going to let her and then he puts his hands Mm -hmm. on hers and he pulls them down. So I thought that that was really a nice moment. Yeah. So let's see here. Let's think because that's the the main thing now is to ask. Okay, where do they go from here? Um, it says um, basically, and I'm I'm actually noticing that we have uh, the next two chapters actually laid out, or at least like a they're very like one sentence uh, synopsis for them. So chapter five says the Mandalorian helps a rookie bounty hunter who is in over his head. So wonder who that could be i don't know i think it would be a pretty neat twist if the uh bounty hunter was coming after him though right yeah i mean very very and then he kind of turns that around i think that could be a twist Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. do you think that do you think that it could be uh um bill burr's character i think anything at this point is possible i mean (laughs) Um, the Mandalorian is going to be on the run. And we talked about this uh, on my podcast um, a little bit about what what is this story going to be about? You know, because you take a couple episodes and you have, um, you know, background. And like you guys were talking about um, in episode one, we got so many information, so many new things. We are still learning about this character. We don't know anything about him really. Um and you know you get a couple couple episodes of character development and 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 setting the stage but then like what is the story and we know what the story is kind of right now and we know that he's sort of left the guild and you know there's all of these bounty hunters with tracking fobs that are going to be coming after him so you know with that one sentence synopsis i think and even for the remainder of the season he's going to be on the run and he at this point is not going to feel safe leaving uh, yoda baby anywhere because even on this remote world with, you know, farmers, there's snipers after him. So I feel All like right. at that point, unless you, unless you, you know, plop Baby Yoda down in the center of uh, the Jedi Council, you know, I feel like most people are going to be, 
a little wary just leaving him somewhere. So I think the rest of the season is going to be a little bit more about, you know, surviving against these bounty hunters tracking him and how he deals with evading, you know, their potential lethal, you know, plans. Right, right. Yeah. And it, it, it's interesting because it does seem like that on this, because like I said, they also have chapter six laid out as well, where it says, you know, the Mandalorian joins a crew of mercenaries on a dangerous mission. So it does seem like he is still continuing to do, you know, uh, his his Mandalorian work, I guess. So I'm, I'm interested to see how Baby Yoda will fit into that. Um, do you think that's still going to, that, that probably isn't going to be with the guild though, based off of what happened in season or episode three? No, oh, but no, they were yeah. saying that there was more work for non guild members because the price difference. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, th- I think he's, he's pretty much burned his bridges with the, with the guild. Uh, yeah. But like, maybe he'll rejoin up with some of the Mandos. I mean, possibly. If we can find out where they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I imagine they're probably scattered across the galaxy. That was just sort of the ones that he was uh, in connection with. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, yeah, yeah I but I'd assume that those ones would have gone off-world, too, and made a new hidey hole someplace else. Right. True, because right. now they've added themselves. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes, very true. Um, so, and then, of course, we have, uh, like, Carlos Esposito, like... You know, I'm really curious at this point. I would have expected him, you know, we're at the halfway point now. So I'm wondering, you know, when is he going to come in? Uh, you know, that that's that's always been the big thing is like, okay, how big is everyone as far as the story goes? You know, like, will we see yeah. um, Cara Dune again? You know, like, or, or is these just like the people he just run into on his adventures? So I, my prediction is that we're definitely going to see again the man that gave him the bounty for Baby Yoda. Um, yeah, Warner Herzog or the client. Yeah, and uh, and Grief Karga. Um, I think that possibly Giancarlo Esposito is going to be part of their group and that we're going to see them come back maybe in um, the episode six where it talks about a dangerous mission. Possibly. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, it, it's it just seems to me like I don't know. I, I just assume that with that, that um, they're connected to Baby Yoda, whereas this mission probably isn't. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you know, that's the biggest thing. I'm like, that's I need the, the episodes. I need to know where we're going here. <laughs> uh, and I think we all want to see Baby Yoda do more use of use of the Force. Mm-hmm. And uh, how that works with the Mandalorian. That is true. I actually wondered in this episode, like, would we see Baby Yoda help out with the um, taking down the ATSD? I thought about that too, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, talking about characters coming back, and you know, who are we going to see again, and when are certain characters going to show up, and how big of roles are these characters going to have? I mean, to me, you look at the merchandise and that still has been like kind of up in the air. You know, I loved IG 11. I thought that whole battle scene at the end of season one or episode one was just awesome. Just taking Mm -hmm. out dudes like like nothing. Mm -hmm. And then dead gone. Oh yeah. That's, that's, the end of that all right cool and right he's sitting there like well, maybe he's gonna be in the next one i'm like oh 
But I got my hot toy coming, so <laughs> you got like what twenty minutes of awesomeness and right and, and a hot toy. It's <laughs> okay. And a Funko Pop. It's it's just only awesome action sequence. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well I hey, hope look. for your sake he comes back. We we know there's or or <laughs> we'll just see IG eleven B, you know? Just <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um or, or yeah, I mean that that's the that's the great thing about droids is like you kill them, just that's fine. Just patch them up, send them, send them back out. Um, right. You know, I, I and don't that's know. one thing we talked about on our podcast too. On my podcast, we talked a little bit about how because he got shot earlier in that scene, and he's like, "Well, it's fine. I'm fine. It didn't hit me in my like central cord or my central like whatever it was." Right. So you know, I don't know where that is. I don't know if that central, you know, whatever is in his head or whatnot, but. Right. Hopefully they can put them back together. Right. I mean, I assumed from the way, you know, from like where he was shot and, you know, I would assume that that was in his chest. But, I mean, who knows? You know, I mean, it's, uh, again, we'll have to, see. I, to me, I think it would be a lot of fun to see him come back and, you know, to where he's like, you shot me, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think that could actually play for a, a very fun episode. You know, it's I, I would like to see some of these people come back, you know, like um, was uh, Kewl, Kewl, however you pronounce his. Uh, yeah, the eggnog. I always said Kewl, but I have no Kuil, idea. Maybe. Yeah, it's uh, I'm trying to scroll back to it to try to look at it for, um, you know, it's any sort of help with. with yeah, Kewl. Yeah, K U I I L. Um, you know, everyone loved him, so it's like, uh, you know, are, are we going to see him back? And I, I don't. Yeah. It's it's really. I mean, that's the thing is, but he has a Funko Pop. He does, but so does IG Eleven. <laughs> you yep. know, so does Cara Dune. I mean, they they really. Um, Baby Yoda doesn't. Right, Baby Yoda had nothing. Yeah, exactly. The only person. Yeah. So they better make that like a ten inch pot, man. Oh yeah, yeah. That's uh, I think Sadiq mentioned that, saying he he wanted to see one, you know, which at that point it'd basically be like full size. So. Give me a jumbo pop, please. <laughs> we don't need with any more pop. pops. Yes. <gasps> oh, don't play with me. <laughs> Michael and I cannot fit any more Funko pops in this room. <laughs> it's it's getting out of hand, but then again, it's also Baby Yoda, so we'll see, right? Um. <laughs> Well, all right, guys. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on. Um, do you want to tell where you can be found and you know talk about uh, Twin Sons and everything? Sure. Yeah, so um, I do – I run Twin Sons Outpost. It's a website. We do mostly just podcasts now, um, but you can find us. We're on social media. We're on Instagram. Uh, and Twitter under the handle at Twin Sons Outposts, and then you can just search that on um, Facebook as well, and we're on there. Um, we also have a book club that uh, Amanda runs, and do you want to say a little bit about that? Yep, we do a book every month. Actually, this month we're going to be doing two books um, for the Road to the Rise of Skywalker, but... It's a little Facebook group. Um, it's the TSO Book Club. Super easy to find, and one of us is generally looking um, and checking for new additions. So we get people added to the group pretty quick. Um, yeah, we have a lot of you know weekly discussions on the mm -hmm. book, and you know chapter breakdowns, and we do um, 
we uh, uh, we have a couple places you can find our podcast, and that's on iTunes. Um, you can also find us on the Star Wars podcast app through the Google, Google Play Store, and then our website, which is www.twinsonsoutpost.com. Awesome. All right. And then, uh, Christine, you have all your podcasts, too. <laughs> Everybody's got a whole bunch of podcasts except for me. <laughs> hey, you're on one now. Yeah, I've got I've got two <laughs> podcasts. I'm getting there. Um, so you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bespin Bell, and I do a couple of podcasts. I'm on uh, almost every week the 602 Club. I co-host with my friend Matt Rushing. Uh, we do movie, book, and TV reviews. Um, anything in the geek world. Um, I'm also on a show called Planet Leia on the Fanthatrax Network, where once a month, me and five other women from around the world talk about Star Wars. And uh, then I do a show with my friend Teresa Delgado called Sabres and Spells, which is uh, like a pop geek pop culture snack, we call it, that we like to do. Um, it, it was supposed to be every other week. We're kind of on hiatus at the moment, but we're getting back. Um, and then I do a, a five-minute segment called Fashion in Five on the Star Wars Report once a month. All right. And then, um, of course, you can just uh, reach us here at themandocast at gmail.com if you want to shoot us an email or just find us over on uh, Twitter at themandocast. So thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe and leave us a review.